God. You know, Matthew chapter 6 and 33 says that you're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto you. So what is the kingdom of God? Romans 14, 17 will tell you. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I can tell when you're enjoying the, the kingdom of God because you're filled with peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. If you're sitting with your arms folded looking grumpy, I know you're in the flesh. So you can tell. You know, it's like really, you, you know, an attitude is just your thought life turned inside out, right? So we, we can tell what you're thinking by, by looking at you. <laughs> We can tell what you're thinking. Matter of fact, I was thinking, during, come on, yeah, 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 put a grin on your grill. It won't hurt you. I remember I had two friends taught me how to fly, and I did it very successfully. I just couldn't land. <laughs> but while I was up there, I didn't bump into anything. So I was thinking about Dave Clark, actually was one, and then Phil Armstrong. Some of you that were at Christian View Church might remember Phil. Anyway, he went through a divorce and became a pilot. Like, it's amazing what you'll do after you've been, if you can bounce back from something by doing something radical like that. Anyway, he thought it was great having me fly around up there, and I really enjoyed it too. But the thing, all, the only thing that you really need to know when you're up there, other than avoid the trees and the mountains, is you have an attitude gauge. And if you keep the nose up, you're moving up. If the nose gets down, you're heading for the ground. And I thought, what a cool thing to call it, because that's what we see in people. When your attitude is up, you, you, you're moving on up, man, things are going good. Uh, but when you get your, and what, and what is your attitude based on? Because, you know, it's your thought life. And really, your thought life produces, according to Matthew chapter 12, you know, Jesus said, only by your words you be justified, and only by your words you be condemned. Your, your thought life becomes words, and the words that you speak create the atmosphere that you live in. That's why during praise and worship, to just stand there and do nothing is not changing your, your atmosphere. The people that are up here praising the Lord, they're changing their atmosphere, but as long as you become a spectator instead of a participant, your atmosphere won't change. You know, you've you got to lose your dignity. In order to experience anything from God, your dignity has to go by the wayside. Like, we're not all that impressed with it anyway. <laughs> God thinks you're cool, but don't be cold. He, he, he wants you either hot or get the lean on. <laughs> but... <laughs> But you can't stay in the middle. Matter of fact, uh, Revelation 2 and verse 4, I taught that last Thursday night, Thursday night before we went to Digby. And, uh, and Revelation 2 4 says, you know, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Very successful church. I mean, John went there. The mother of Jesus, Mary, sat on the front row. They had it going on. And, you know, he commended them for all the good things. But then he said in verse 4, he said, you lost your first love. You, you, you didn't stop loving. You got so distracted, maybe even by ministry things. 
maybe job things, maybe other things in life, you know, but again, that's Mark chapter four, the cares of this life choke out the word. And uh, he said, you lost your first love. And in and, and verse five, he's going to tell them to repent. He's basically saying, get back up to where you were in Colossians 1.13 when he delivered you out of the darkness and translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You weren't acting right. You were acting ugly and mean maybe. But, but he made you right with him that moment. He transferred you out of darkness and into the light. And, and you were so happy. I was in a drug center, man, and all of a sudden I had a backpack lifted off me. I felt like a big weight had gone off my shoulders. And I enjoyed the presence of God. And I didn't know hardly. I knew one verse. I knew one verse, Hebrews 13, 8, that he's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that was all I needed. I still wasn't thinking right. I still wasn't acting right, but I felt good. And, and that, that's, why, that's why he told the Colossians, I think in Colossians 2 and verse 3, as you have learned Christ, so walk in him. Like when you met him, you didn't, you didn't come in with your credentials. Well, I'm pastor so-and-so. No, or I've read the Bible through 43 times. You know, none of that stuff me meant anything then. Well, all that meant anything was, Oh, thank you, God. I, I, I was lost, and now I'm found. I had a guy one day trying to pass me a bunch of pamphlets from Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, I'm not putting them down or knocking on them or anything, but I said, all I can tell you, I, I don't need that. I pulled a New Testament out of my back pocket. He said, you're going to need a lot more than that. I said, well, listen, all I can tell you right now, I don't know anything in here, but I got one. All I can tell you right now is I once was blind, but now I see. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. Come on. <laughs> All of a sudden, bless the Lord, your eyes get open. And then we get busy. Maybe even in churchy things, we get busy. And then life will throw you some distractions. Have you ever noticed? No, Paul the Apostle said one time, he said, I'm perplexed. <laughs> Have you ever been perplexed? He, that, that's, over in, that's over in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13, where verse 7, he said, we have got a treasure in an earthen vessel. But by the time he gets, and then he gets down to verse 13, and he says, he said, we having the same spirit of faith, we, we also speak the word of God. But before that, he said, you know what? I have been perplexed. Doesn't mean you don't have faith, just means you have a question mark. What is this? Why is this happening? Have you ever not asked those questions? That's called perplexed. And then he says, I've been cast down, but not destroyed. So it sounds to me like things weren't always going good for him. Can you, can you, can you agree? He writes this letter to the church at Philippi. I, I'd be mad at God. I'm telling you the truth. God tells me to go to Philippi. Tells me to take Paul Wilson with me. Paul's all excited because he hasn't been on a mission trip before. Oh, boy. We get there, we go down, and there's some women doing the laundry down by the river. We preach to the women doing the laundry by the, down by the river, and then we get arrested. Then they beat us bloody, knock the snot right out of us, and throw us in jail. And the jail was not, the jail 
Like even where he wrote the letter from the, to the church of Philippi, the jail is still there. And there's a little trench that goes through where the poop flows past your feet. And he's in there in the dark. Maybe he found a candle. I got to write a letter. So he's got this little candle flicker in there. And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Come on. 16 times in that chapter, four chapters, he's telling them, you got to get joy. You got to get happy. And it's not based on circumstances. So he's sitting there with Silas and it's midnight. Have you ever been in midnight? You ever been ahead of midnight time in the kingdom of God? It's so dark and, and what else could possibly happen? They just beat me up and I'm bloody. I'm aching. They got irons on my feet and irons on my hands. And so I turned to Paul and I said, Paul, I feel a song coming on, buddy. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Can I say rejoice? Who knows what it was back then? But they started to sing. And it wasn't an atmosphere of joy. I've been in atmospheres of joy where everybody just gets drunk in the Holy Ghost. If you've never been in one, I, I offer you the opportunity to do that today. But you don't need to wait. Out of your belly flow rivers of living water. You know, God's saying, he said it in Psalm 16, 11. He said, in my presence is fullness of joy. Some of y'all ain't never been there. <laughs> At least not while you were in church where I could see you. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wonder what they're laughing at. What are they acting silly for? Somebody actually ran past me in church. What's that all about? That's about somebody losing their dignity so that they can experience the presence of God. Well, you're thinking that they're in the flesh. It's you, baby. <laughs> I didn't open this yet, did I? <laughs> In my presence is fullness of joy, and at my right hand, pleasures forevermore. If you don't get this picture of Jesus in your mind, you're not going to make it. He's happy Jesus. Saw him too. He sits in the heavens and laughs. He's not freaking out, and this is not the end of the world. Every generation has the end of the world. This is the end of the world now. We had a pandemic. This is the end of the world. The Second World War, this is the end of the world. They killed six million. This is, you know, it's always the end of the world whenever the circumstance looks like it might be. I want you to know that it's not. Can you prove that? Yes. Habakkuk 2.14. He, he said, as surely as I live, the knowledge of my glory. And he's not waiting until you're gone so that he can manifest his glory. It won't manifest unless it manifests through you. Romans 8.19 says that all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. That, and then will the end come. We haven't had a manifestation of much of anything right so far. Most of the church didn't have enough power to blow its own nose, let alone get somebody healed. Come on. Let's be real. Why? Because we are dignified and we got it all together. Matthew 18.3, he said it this way. He said, you got to become like a child. A child laughs four or five hundred times a day, and an adult maybe not laughing at all. 
Why a child? Because they go from moment to moment to moment. I watched them playing outside there this morning, outside, moment to moment. Well, you know, I kick and fall down, skin their knee and cry a little bit. The two minutes later, they're giggling and off doing something else. Oh, I need prayer. <laughs> oh, God, I need prayer. No, you need to just get like a little child. <laughs> you need to get yourself, get some joy, hallelujah. It's yours, righteousness. You're right with God today. I don't care how goofy you have been. I look good I'm not looking at anybody, hallelujah. I love you, so let me preface everything that I say after this with that. I love you. And I'm just trying to have some fun with you, okay? Hallelujah. It's like I took Nancy to the snore shop the other day. The doctor said, is, it snore, is her snoring bothering you? I said, it's bothering the whole congregation. <laughs> Bravery is being demonstrated in front of you today. <laughs> I said, she makes me feel like a dog. Treats me so bad. Yeah. How long have you been feeling like this? I said, since I was a puppy. He said, why don't you get up on the coach? I said, I'm not allowed on the coach. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but the most, the, the most tense time in my house is when company is coming. No, it, it could be Ken Matheson or somebody who's not going to notice anything, but that don't matter. Am, am I the only one that experiences that? Like you can't sit down, you can't move, you're just standing there. You put that over? No, I never touched. I haven't touched a thing. I haven't touched a thing. Nancy, remember your attitude gauge. Keep your nose up and we'll fly together, okay? If her nose goes down, I'm coming to your house this afternoon. <laughs> Time heals everything, right? Praise the Lord. So in Nehemiah 8 and verse 10, the Lord said this. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now in the gym, lifting weights gives you strength. But in the kingdom of God, it's the joy of the Lord. And joy is not a circumstance. Joy is a force, a powerful force. So, and sometimes you just have to prime the pump to get it started. But I know the other morning I sat in bed and I started to laugh, and a half hour later I was on the floor laughing. What were you laughing at? The devil, I think, but I'm not sure. I just decided to have a good time. I decided to get happy. The circumstances didn't mean anything. You just get happy. I used to do it when I was a drug addict, so surely I can do it now. I had nothing much to laugh at then. Three months behind my rent. <laughs> now that we were asking, Saturday, yesterday, Rob was asking what, how we, what was our condition when we got saved, and I was thinking, I didn't want to talk about it all, because it's, it's funny, but it's not. It was, my skin was crawling at the time. But I was three and a half months behind my rent. 
the floor was sticky that I was walking on because there'd been so many people in that. Now, my two-bedroom apartment might have been as big as this platform. I had a motorcycle in one bedroom, and I had myself in another bedroom. And a little tiny, little tiny living room and a kitchen. And people would get in there and get drunk and spill stuff all over the place. And I got up one morning and my feet, and it's a good thing I had my shoes on, but I slept with everything on because that way you didn't have to bother in the morning. You just get up and go. So, uh, so you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I went to get a drink out of the sink. And I had a big draft beer glass that I brought home from the tavern. <laughs> Actually, I had a whole, whole, whole cupboard full of them. They had the little draft line on them and everything. Anyway, uh, salt shakers, pepper, whatever, I don't even know. <laughs> it was free. <laughs> so I went, to pour the, I went to pour the water. And I snapped the, tap, the top off of the glass. And so then I went to the phone and I called the Drug Dependency Center. They knew me there because I had been there before. And the first time I went in, I got to feeling so much better, I went out and got drunk again. But this time, I think, this time I knew. I knew. And somebody gave me that verse. Hebrews 13, 8. And I remember coming out of there 28 days later. My feet weren't touching the ground. And it kept getting better and better. God was answering all my prayers. Matter of fact, one guy said to me, right now you're ringing the bell and God's answering. One of these days he's going to say, give me that bell. I just want you to know if you're watching, I still got the bell. He's, he's still answering my prayers. And the only problems I've had is when I lost focus. I allowed the circumstances of my life to dictate how I was doing in the kingdom of God. But if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And I can make a decision any day at all to walk in peace and to walk in joy in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. And like Kenneth E. Hagin said, the only thing I'd ever be concerned about is if my faith wasn't growing. Because he told the, Paul told the church in Thessalonica, your faith is growing exceedingly. Like, we can keep growing our faith. We can keep growing our faith, getting stronger every day. But again, it's the choices, because I realized that my words, again, I think it's in Matthew 12, 37, Jesus said, only by your words you're justified, and only by your words you're condemned. But your words create the atmosphere that you live in. Not what somebody else says about you, but what you answer to. They can call you any name they want to, but... It's the name that you answer to that matters. Answer to, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I read about Paul the Apostle when everybody left him, and then the Lord stood by his side. Everybody can walk out, but there's one that said, I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. And so he wasn't just making a noise in Philippians 4, 4, when he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He was saying, I've got the keys that you need to live a successful life. You just need to get happy. Not wait for happiness to come. The pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No, no, you just got to go for it and say, hey, if he loved me that much, I've got John 
5, 13 and 14. If I ask anything according to his will, according to his word, I know that he hears me. And number, the next verse says, and I know that I have the petitions granted that I brought to him. Mark eleven twenty four. the things that I desire when I pray, believing I receive them, they shall be delivered unto me. What a deal. How did I get in on that? How did I get in? How did I get in Romans 8, 17? You're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. Ooh, come on. You got it made. You got it made, but we should never, ever. And again, we do it a lot. We've been doing it in church ever since I've been going to church. We come in wanting the praise and worship team to pump us up, but the praise and worship team was never there to pump you up. They were to take you in a direction, but you, we, ought to, we ought to put them to shame. No, no, we ought, to be, we ought to embarrass them. Come on, don't do them. You can't sing. Well, hey, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let it wail. Will it disturb somebody? Yeah, this person. <laughs> it's too loud. Sit somewhere else. Find your comfort place. Just don't pee in somebody else's cornflakes just because. Are you allowed to say that in church? All right. Okay. Okay. Good. Where's my message for today? <clears throat> If you're in a church where you don't have to explain anything to visitors, you're not in a Holy Ghost church. You should have to explain to visitors. This is what sister so-and-so does when the power of God hits them. This is what brother so-and-so does. Yeah, right? Just lose your dignity, man. Lose it. No, no, again, I look at, I was thinking, you know, about Nelson Mandela and how he led the charge against apartheid in Africa, and all those people got delivered. But now here we are all these years later, and they're still not free because they don't think free. Just because deliverance comes doesn't mean freedom comes. The only way freedom comes is John 8. Come on, 31, 32. If you'll continue in my word. What am I supposed to do with that? Put it in your mouth and shoot it out of your mouth like, like David fired a slingshot. The word of God is power, alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. He said, you, you know, you got to understand this. You got to understand Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. Only by, come on. He, he, he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Not life and death are in the power of God or life and death are in the power of the devil. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit that it bears, whether good or bad. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I've set before you this day life and blessing, death and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. You make a choice every day. What am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? Am I going to talk about all the bad stuff that's going on? Because there's certainly it's always there. We, it, it was always there, by the way. It just was never reported like it is today. 
This world didn't all of a sudden become weird. No, it didn't. It didn't. I remember Jesus teaching one time. He said, woe unto you, woe unto you, Capernaum. Woe unto you, Corazon. Woe unto you, Bethesda. Bethsaida, rather. Because if the works had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah that were done there, they would have repented. You know, in 700 AD, all three of those cities were wiped out on the same day in, a hurricane, in an earthquake. One day. Because God's word is true. And he said they'd never re be, be rebuilt. And I've been there. You can walk through the ruins of those places. They've never been rebuilt. So, but yeah, but see, we're to look at that to know that he watches over Jeremiah one twelve. He said, I watch over my word to perform it. I'm not watching over your words to perform them. You ought to be grateful. But he said, when you speak my words out of your mouth, I watch over my word to perform it. I watch over Romans 4.13, tell you to call those things that be not as though they were. Call things into existence like I did. I've given you that power to, to I've given you the power to create your life with the words that you speak. Hmm. I mean, no, that's James 1.22 where he said, Don't be, a, be a doer of the word and not hear, only deceiving yourself. To be a doer of the word, the word doer is the word poetes, where we get the word poet, somebody that creates with words. He's saying, be a doer, be a creator of your life with the words that you speak. Change everything. If you don't like it, change it. If you don't like where you are right now, check the words that got you here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Our church is in Mark chapter 2. I think it's where we need to go right now. Because in Mark, no, no, it's not Mark chapter 2. But it is there. In Mark chapter 2, it says it was noised abroad that he was in the house. I'm telling you, when you get free of religiosity and all of the rituals and all of the... That's what he meant, that's what he meant in Romans 14, 17. He said, he said my kingdom is not meat nor drink. It's, it's not a ritual. It's not a physical thing. But it's re recognizing that you're right with me and allowing that to produce peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's not based on what you did last night. It's based on what he did 2,000 years ago. If you messed up last night, you've got 1 John 1, 9, and you can fix that. You can just fix it and say, hey. And then, and, then, and then you say, and then you go and you say, Jesus, I missed it. How are we going to handle this? Not like I promise I'm never going to do it again because you're lying. <laughs> I used to say that before I got saved. I talked to a God I didn't even know. Oh, a spike through the head, headache, drugs and alcohol for days and days. I even had a, I even had a, I remember one time having this woman in the tavern tell me to go home. She said, you've been here for three days, and she was right. I'd be there in the morning when it opened and there at night when it closed, and then I would go and wait for it to open again so I could come back. Didn't need sleep because of the medication that it was on. And I don't know what it looked like. But when somebody that lives in the tavern tells you you're going to go home, you, you, you best go. Yeah. But anyway, uh, 
Well, that's it. That's it. I've got friends on Facebook, one year straight, one year sober. And I just get on there and I put my grin on there and say, I'm a pastor. <laughs> he can do anything. <laughs> he can take a guy three and a half months behind in his rent. Did I ever tell you about the time I ripped the Bible apart? I don't know if any of you would know Walter McDougall. He was, he was a member of Rock Church for a long time. Anyway, he gave me a Bible. And uh, I was sitting there and tore it all up. A bunch of lies. A couple of days later, I'm sitting there. Like, you can't even, can't even fake shake how I used to shake. <laughs> and I've got a needle in thread. First of all, I took the cover and I stuck it all back together with electrical. And now I'm sewing the pages together because I'm thinking, if there is a God, I got enough trouble. <laughs> I tore up his book, Ben. I tore up his book. <laughs> yeah, but that guy, God was looking and saying, he's going to be a pastor someday. He's looking at you and you're saying, it's been such a long time. When's he going to use me? It took him 30 years to train Jesus for three and a half years. It took Moses 80 years to get ready. Like, don't look at it. Don't live in time. Live in the reality that he chose you. Ephesians 1, 4 says he chose you in him from before the foundation of the world. You have purpose. Well, I don't know what it is. Well, ask him. He might even show you. I know he didn't show me that I was going to be a pastor. Matter of fact, the first time I heard about it, I said, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. All they do is come and eat your chicken on Sunday afternoon, come visit your house and mow lawns. I had no clue. I had no clue what a pastor did. Now am I ever mowing lawns? <laughs> you say, now I got you. This is what, what you thought all those years ago. Mow, mow, mow your lawn. Merely, 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 merely. And then it rains and you say, God, no, it's going to grow again. <laughs> I moved to the country. For those of you that don't know, my lawn is, uh, is uh, big. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about buying a few goats. Of course, then that creates other problems, so... <laughs> So anyway, so, so Jesus was in Capernaum. And if you go there, if you go to Capernaum to see the ruins, they'll show you Jesus' house. And I'm here to tell you that it's not it. It's impossible. It's like you can go over to Beth, Bethsaida and they can show you Peter's house and you can, you can get in on that because it's huge. He was a, a successful fisherman. It's a big house. But the house that Jesus had in Capernaum, they get this tiny little thing with a Catholic unit built over top of it. But when I read my Bible, and it says that it was noised abroad that he was in the house, and they came from Judea, Samaria, they came from all over the place, doctors of divinity, doctors of the law, all these guys, and they filled the house. And if you see the house that they get over there, I'm thinking, man, you couldn't, 
You could put a dozen people, the disciples wouldn't fit in there. No, but I mean, people don't read their Bibles, they just do religious stuff. You really notice it when you go to a place like that, they just do religious stuff. How do they know where his house was anyway? If the city was destroyed in 700 AD, did somebody say it was right there? Somebody did, that's right. Said, we can sell some trinkets if we put it right there. Let's read Luke chapter 5. In verse 17, I believe in this move of the Spirit of God, and I know it's coming. Come on, we, did, we didn't even talk about that in Romans 3.23. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Hebrews 2.10 says that the captain of our salvation, made perfect through suffering, came to restore us back to glory. When you get back in the glory, what is it like? Well, in Psalm 105, verse 37, it says, he led them out. Remember the glory cloud by day and by night? Led them out. Come on, led them out, and, and there was not a feeble one amongst them. When you're in the glory, healing just manifests itself. He led them up with silver and gold. They didn't have any lack. Come on, Acts chapter 4. They had no lack. When the, when the glory of God is moving, you, you're not praying for people to get healed. They're getting healed while you're teaching. So lots of times when you're teaching now, people are waiting for you to finish teaching so that, so they, that you can get prayed for for your healing. But really, the way that it ought to be is we're going to keep teaching until you get healed. <laughs> until it goes off on the inside of you. That's right. Until I realize I can step over Ephesians 2, 6 says I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. I can move over into the glory. And when I move into the glory, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no sickness there. There's no poverty. There's no lack there. And he's saying, that's my will for you on this earth. How do I get there? By acting religious? No, by forgetting all that. Forgetting all the tradition, forgetting all the religion, and just falling into the grace of God. Saying, I'm just going to receive what you gave me. I'm not going to try and earn it because I've been trying for years and failed every time. You can't earn what God has for you. You just got to receive. You just got to accept. He said the gift of righteousness. He said if you receive the grace of God and the gift of righteousness, you'll reign in life by one Christ Jesus. If you want to memorize a verse, memorize, you know, Romans 5, 17. You've got the gift from God to reign in life. He said, I put you back in Genesis chapter 1. I put you back there. He said, I made the fish out of water. I made the animals out of land, but I made you out of me. You came out of me. You didn't come out of the earth. Your body did, but not your spirit. Then he wrote in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak unto you, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. I want you living in the glory. I, I paid the price to move you out of the darkness and into this glorious light. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He said in the boat, as far as love goes, he said, I've already given you the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance just has to be worked out. Philippians 2.12, he said, work out your own salvation. Work it out. It's already in there. And it takes a little work because it takes the death of your flesh. No, no, but you can't be led by your thought life. Your thought life will take you in all kinds of crazy places. Your imagination. And by the way, if you'd like interpreting dreams, I'd like to tell you this. Not every dream you have comes from the Lord. 
You can dream some goofy dreams and think, oh, this, this is, you know, God showed me this. No, if you can't find it in the Bible, don't tell me God showed you. Anyway, so here we are in Luke 5, 17. They're trying, trying. He said, and it came to pass. Sir, I remember reading that in Narcotics Anonymous. They had it on a little folder. It came to pass. And I remember looking at that and thinking, oh, God, really? No, it brought hope. It, it, whatever you're experiencing right now is not a permanent situation. Yeah, but you don't know how long it's been. It doesn't matter. You don't know how far you have to go. Yeah, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I'm not building my house here. I'm walking through. And he's preparing a table for me, not in heaven, but in the presence of my enemies. A table for me here. And he's telling me that I'm going to have enemies. Like not everybody's going to like me. Well, don't get so agreeable. <laughs> no, no, nobody's going to like you. He said, come on, sir, I like you, bud. And it came to pass on a certain day. He was teaching. And there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which came out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. So this was not a dozen people. This was, this was a Jesus Christ conference, minister's conference. And look at this, and it says, the power of God was present to heal them. The power of God is present to heal you right now. The power of God was present to heal them all, one translation says, which is the correct one. Because he's no respecter of persons. What he'll do for one, he'll do for another. What he did in thir Genesis 13, 2, talking about Abraham being very rich in silver and gold. He'll, it, that, that's for you, too, if you want it. People say, well, that's prosperity gospel. No, that's the gospel. It's the gospel. If any man be in Christ, he's Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise. You can have all the silver and the gold that you want. How do I get it? The same way you get everything else, by faith. You use your debit card. It's in here. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Declaring my God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. How do you know you're walking uprightly? Because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Even when I'm walking crooked. Somebody, somebody called in the other day a couple of weeks ago and said, you walked funny. Do you, have, do, do you need prayer for your back? I've been walking funny. <laughs> do you need prayer? You're walking funny. The power of God was present to heal them. And behold, men brought a man on a bed taken with palsy. Well, the first thing that I noticed was he wasn't afraid to get out of the house. He probably didn't have a mask on. No, no, but if you're paralyzed, you, you got to have some kind of faith to let four crazy friends drag you out of the house on a stretcher. And then you've got to admire those friends because they loved him so much they did not want to leave him sick. They had more care about him than they did of themselves. And so that's why I declare that this is our church, that we love one another 
And you know, when you, when you read 1 John 5 and verse 4, it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's corporate faith there. That verse, verse means I can't do it by myself. Lots of times I need your faith and your prayers because mine alone aren't enough. That's why he said that if two or three agree, you know, you get together in agreement and you, and you work things out. But anyway, so they brought this man and they sought to bring him in, but they didn't have, they didn't have front row seats with registered with their names on or anything. <laughs> so, so they came and they said, man, what are we going to do now? And so they couldn't find a way that they might bring him in because of the multitude. Yeah, but who's the multitude? It's the doctors of divinity, the doctors of the law, the religious Pharisees sitting in there all swelled up like bullfrogs, like not believing, not believing the thing Jesus was saying, but they were taking up space in the room. They were a big church that believed nothing, nothing. They knew all the scriptures. They could quote them all day long, and they didn't even know Jesus when he was teaching them right in front of them. I mean, even the Romans said, wow, this guy speaks with such authority. <laughs> the church guys didn't get it. And behold, so they brought him, and, and they couldn't find a way that they might bring him in because of the multitude. So they went up on the roof. So now I'm thinking, okay, so, so Jesus is teaching here. And it's full of religious people. It's not like you, you guys are awesome. But now we got to know where Jesus is because we don't want to lower him down amongst the Pharisees. So we got to figure, so then you got to get up on the roof and then you got to measure the thing out. You know, figure, okay, like he's, this, this would be, where, this is where, where the pulpit would be right about here. And then you got to start ripping a man's roof up. And if you're going to lower it down the stretcher, you're not just digging a little hole, peeking in. And so Jesus is there teaching, and there's stuff coming down, stuff falling, and then he looks, and there's, you know, four sets of eyeballs looking down through the hole. The first thing that I take, my takeaway from this is I wrote in my margin, the spirit of faith refuses to quit. No, no, the obstacles didn't stop these guys. They didn't say, what's the use? We'll come back another day. They're determined. Faith is determined to get. It, it's kind of like, you know, we'll read about Jacob wrestling with the Lord. It's, it's Matthew 5 and verse 6. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. You know, Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And he wrestled with him. In the eyes, and then God said, well, now I'm going to change your name to Israel that you're a prince with me and 12, 12 tribes are coming out of you. Why? Because he was so determined, his faith said, I'm not letting you. So they couldn't find a way and they ripped up the roof. But look at, look at this. And they laid, they ripped up the tiling and the coach and they laid him down in front of Jesus. Look what it says here. And when Jesus saw, so my takeaway from that is my definition, my, my definition of faith is I'm acting like the Bible's true. Faith is simply acting like the Bible's true. 
Smith Wigglesworth said it this way. He said, faith laughs at impossibilities. It laughs at impossibilities. Come on, impossibilities are where God is. God, according to your faith, be it unto you. What do you believe in God for? Make sure you keep it in your heart and keep it in your mouth. And get happy. Have some joy. Have some joy. Get drunk in the Holy Ghost on purpose. Fake it till you make it. Kenneth E. Hagan, powerful man of God, most powerful man of God in my generation or this, this past century. He started out by going, huh. Uh, uh, uh. The devil said, you're not getting your healing this time. And he went, uh, uh. And finally, after he broke into a fit of laughter, the devil said, what are you laughing at? He said, I'm laughing at you, devil. I don't have to get my healing. Jesus got it for me 2,000 years ago. But he started by going, huh? Come on, he was in bed for, I think, 15, I, I heard it, I shouldn't know it, I shouldn't know the day. But at least, like, over a year, he was in bed, paralyzed, right? And he kept reading Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. Have the God kind of faith. Whosoever will say to this mountain, this circumstance, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe the things that he says will come to pass, that man will have whatsoever he saith. And he taught that for all of his 60 or whatever years of ministry, he taught that all the time. He taught it so often, some people thought that he wrote it. But it was his assignment from God to teach faith. Because the just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible. Please him, because we can't get anything from the spirit realm into the natural realm without faith. I'm so glad we've got it. But most of us, it's just a matter of losing our dignity. Serious. No, the woman with the issue of blood was not concerned about her dignity. She pushed through a crowd and risked her life to touch the hem of his prayer shawl. In Jairus, right there. If I was Jairus, I'd have been so upset with her. And he had the power to kill her because she was unclean out in public and he could have said, get rid of her. But here's Jairus. Listen, you need to come to my house because my daughter's sick, and I know that if you'll pray for her, lay hands on her, she'll be healed. So then this woman with the issue of blood comes in this big crowd and interrupts the whole parade, and the disciples said, Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples said, are you kidding? There's a multitude. There's thousands of people around you. What do you mean who touched me? Somebody's faith got me. And then, then he calls her up, and she tells him everything that ever happened to her. You're Jairus, you're standing there wanting to get your daughter prayed for, and here's this woman. A man speaks 10,000 words, a woman speaks 50,000 words. Isn't that right? Is that right? Doesn't sound right. It sounds like a woman's words should be higher uh, than that. No, but can you imagine? Put yourself in his position. He's wanting to get his daughter prayed for, and he was there first. But he stayed in faith. Even when they came and said, your daughter's dead, forget it. Jesus said, don't say a word. So um, where did I, how did I get over on that? How did I get in Habakkuk? We were, marked, we were in Luke chapter 5. right? Were we finished there? Let's be finished there. 
Let's go to um, Chronicles chapter 16. Now, in chapter 15, in chapter 15, it tells a story that's also repeated in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6. And it's the story of them bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. So they're going to, so they're marching along and they're stopping and giving offerings. And, and David is up at the front. He's marching along. And they only go a few feet and then they, then they do an offering. Then they go a few more feet and they do an offering. And then when he was getting close to the house, he peeled off all of his, not all of his clothes, but his outer garments. And then the Bible says that he danced before the Lord with all of his might. Now, uh, he's the king. He's rich. He has position. And he gets so ugly for Jesus right there that his wife criticized him for it and made herself barren, never had a child after that. She would have been the respectable one because she is the queen. Michael was the queen. And she looked at him and it says that she was so disappointed with him. And then, and then his response was, if you've seen me today, you haven't seen anything until you see me tomorrow. Because I found out that if I can operate in the force of joy, you ever wonder why they marched around Jericho and then praised the Lord? Like, why would they ever send Judah first in a battle? Because there's something about the joy. Come on, we, in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, and when they began to worship the Lord and when they began to, and don't tell me they didn't have joy. He wrote about it in the letter to the Philippians. And what happened with the joy? Not only did all of the cells shake loose, but all of the prisoners got free. So maybe, just maybe, one of you getting free could set the whole place free. You don't know. It could be you. If you've never done it, then it's very likely that it's you. If you sat and criticized others for doing it, it's definitely got your name on it. And so, but you can keep yourself together and you can go home and come back and go home and come back and never experience the freedom that's in Christ. Live your whole life in bondage because of fear of other people. Fear of what other people might think about you. You can't be free until you, until you kill that. You'll never move in the glory of God until you kill that fear of other people. You'll never move out in the gifts of the Spirit from Corinthians chapter 12 until you kill that in your life. Stop worrying about what other people are going to think and just be free. Come on, please get free. God wants you free. No, no, God wants you free. He wants you free. The, the weight that will lift off you when you finally begin to express freedom in your life. Verse uh, 29 of chapter 15 says this. It says, It came to pass when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out of the window, saw the king David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. And all he was doing was Matthew 18, 3. 
come. Jesus said, unless you come to me as a little child, you cannot enter into the things of the kingdom of God. In other words, until you humble yourself, it's only pride that keeps you stiffened up after all. Come on, come on, we all, we all know it because we've all experienced it. Pride came with Satan. Read it, read it in Isaiah chapter 14. I will be like the most high. I'll exalt my throne above the sides of the north. Oh, I, 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 I. I'm so beautiful. That was another problem he had. Read it and, and no, I read it. I mean, read it in, uh, is it, where is it in chapter 28 of Ezekiel? How proud he was of how good he looked. And it took him down. So when Adam sinned and Satan's personality entered in, pride came. That's why they hid me and they were ashamed. They hid themselves because they were ashamed because they needed to get it together so that they could project it out. They had to cover themselves with fig leaves so that they could step out and say, oh, yeah, I'm cool. Everything's all right. Oh, yeah, I, I got it together here. No, no, as long as you got it together, God can't get it together in you. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I have been crucified with Christ. I found out how to die so that I could really live. And now I am rejoicing. Come on, the guy was, the guy was shipwrecked four times, three times it mentions in, in, in Corinthians. He was whipped five times, 39 stripes, and one would kill most men. Five times they did that to him. You couldn't find a piece of flesh on him that was not scar tissue. They stoned him in Lystra and left him for dead, and he went in in the afternoon and finished his sermon. They beat him with rods on his feet until he couldn't even walk, and he walked all the way to Athens one time. No, what happened? The force of joy. It was the, come on, it was only three things in the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It had to be the joy because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So he had to be joyful even when those things were happening to him. Like he'd be a hard guy to kill because he'd be laughing. No, no, it kind of reminds me of back in the day, Muhammad Ali was fighting George Foreman. And George Foreman was a big, strong man. And George Foreman hammered on Muhammad Ali for, almost, I think, eight rounds. I don't remember exactly. And finally, Muhammad Ali said, George, is that all you got? And George said, yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, then he came off the ropes and knocked him out. And that's the way it is with us. Devil, is that all you got? That it? I fight the good fight of faith, and I lay hold of eternal life. I step over in the realm of the spirit, and when I'm over in the realm of the spirit, I'm, you can't put a glove on me. You can swing and swing and swing and tire yourself up, but you can't touch me because I'm not in the flesh. You mean to tell me acting like an idiot can get you over in the spirit? That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm glad you're getting it clarified. Let's drop down to chapter 16 of verse uh, 27. Glory and honor are where? In his presence. Strength and gladness in his place. Strength, that's Nehemiah 8.10. Gladness is Hebrews 1.9, where it says that Jesus, come on, it says about Jesus that he was anointed with joy or gladness above everybody that ever lived. You think that we got this idea, Jesus the judge is coming. You can't picture him 
walking in, laughing and carrying on with the people. That's the image that you need of him. You need to see him laughing and enjoying life. He created life and called it Zoe, the God quality life. Oh, what about Isaiah 53? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Yeah, when your, when your stuff came on him, <laughs> he's not like that now. That was a very brief moment in, his, in all of creation. Matter of fact, he's so familiar with everything. The Bible says he marveled once at their unbelief, and he marveled another time at their faith. But only twice in the whole Bible you can find out where Jesus marveled because, because nothing impresses him. He didn't go, wow, I never saw that before. He saw it all before. And the thing that makes him go, wow, is, oh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame because you're the joy that was set before him. And so I wonder when, sometimes what he thinks when he, he comes into a church services. And everybody's just sitting there looking like, looking like, I heard about the donkey that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. You hear that? When he got back to the barn? Hey, did you see them all waving branches and bowing down toward me? We're the donkeys. But we're also heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. He said, in my presence, is fullness of joy. How do I get in his presence? Not just by going to church. You can be present. You can be present, but in order to get into his presence, you have to do something. It's like out of your belly will flow rivers of living water, but somebody got to pull the cork. I never saw anybody ever get drunk without opening the bottle. It was an act. Okay. I got one more verse. Well, actually, I got up. I realized that I'll never finish a sermon because it's inexhaustible. But, but over in Isaiah chapter 12, this is your opportunity. Yep. Remember, there's that people actually sitting here right now thinking, gee, I hope he doesn't get us to do anything. I just want to go to Swish LA now. Here it's open. Okay, um, Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. See, I w that's an act of your will. Can you see that? I will trust. I will not be afraid. That means you're going to have an opportunity to do both, mistrust and be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation, therefore with joy. You have a bucket. It's called joy. Proverbs 20 and verse 5 says that wise counsel is hidden in the heart of a man, but that a man of understanding will draw it out. Everything that you need is not out there. Everything that you need is inside of you. God placed it all in you before he put you on the planet. Nothing that you need is out there other than the people that you're associated with. Everything that you need is available to you, and it comes up out of the inside of you. So he said, therefore, with joy, you shall draw water. And you know, the rope is going to be faith. Come on. Faith is a rope. And the wells are what's in your heart in abundance. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. 
Therefore, with joy you shall draw water out of the, cell, the wells of salvation. And in that day shall praise the Lord and call upon his name. That word, that word joy is the word sasun, S-A-S-O-O-N. And it's lively joy. It's something that, oh, I'm just being joyful on the inside. I'm really, really being joyful right now. It's just my personality type. I'm very reserved and very conservative. And so, so right now, whether you know it or not, church, I'm just having a real joy party on the inside of me. Like I'm going Yahoo and yippee and yay, yay, yay. Yeah, Yahoo, yippee, yay, yay, yay. It's happening right on the inside of me right now. Yep, and so with joy, I'm drinking water from his wells of salvation. Watch me now. Here I go, here I go. I'm drinking water from the wells of salvation. Oh, yes, I, in his presence is fullness of joy, and I'm right there with you, God. I'm right there with you. Yes, I'm just having such a good time right now. Oh, I know. Yes, Lord, I'm just having such a wonderful time. Oh, thank you for inviting me here that I could demonstrate. Demonstrate. He said, draw water out of the wells of salvation. You don't draw it out of your head. You draw it out of your heart. Your head won't find it rational. Your head won't find it reasonable. And I can tell how many people in this room are in their head right now because ain't nobody moving. Somebody's thinking, well, if somebody else would go first, I might, might do something spiritual. But if I just sit here and do nothing, maybe they'll think I'm spiritual. Now, if you sit there and do nothing, you're in the flesh. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a hard time telling you that because I'm supposed to make you mad or make you glad and not leave you the way I found you. It's time for you to get free, man. It's time for you to get free. It's time for you to do something you have never done before in order to get what you've never had before. If you're just comfortable with your life just being this same thing, then enjoy this same thing, but even get some joy over that. You know. I mean, you can thank them for having fresh water to drink. You can thank them that the person beside you had a shower before they came to church today. You can thank them that you have a building that you can go and praise God when in many countries they don't. You can be thankful that you don't have a pastor that's a religious bullfrog telling you about all the rules and regulations that you've broken all week long. You can be happy about that. You can be happy that you come to church and have a shower of the Word of God. Hallelujah.
And they were all amazed. And they were in doubt with one another, saying, what does this mean? Others mocking said, these people are full of new wine. Peter stood up and said, they're not drunk like you think. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. We just fulfilled scripture in Acts chapter 2. It says, all were amazed, and some mocked, and others were drunk. All were amazed, some mocked. Hallelujah. hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.